The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm a neurologist and sports doctor in the tri-state area. And this is time to break down the NFL draft. I'm here with my host, Spencer the Wizard, our cottage industry expert on everything sports. And I think it's best we launch our discussion in with the NFL draft. Taking it at the top, I see the Houston Texans. They're on the clock. No, not really. They chose Mr. Clowney. Well, it's great to be back again on Bruce the Sports Doc. Very happy to all the listeners um, to be listening to the show. We're very grateful here at Voice America Sports. Now attaining to the NFL Draft Special, talking about Houston selection. Houston obviously didn't see anything with the first two quarterbacks that were listed on the top of Todd Mc, uh, on the top of uh, Mel Kuyper's draft board. Those two quarterbacks are Blake Bortles and Johnny Manziel. They might have liked the products, but for the number one draft pick, they didn't feel like drafting a quarterback. Now Houston traded their longtime veteran Matt Schaub in the summer, and they traded him to Oakland for a six-round draft pick. Schaub last year was injured, and Matt Schaub also lost consecutive playoff games in the divisional round. With Arian Foster, Andre Johnson, and Owen Daniels, Matt Schaub was really the only guy holding back Houston, I believe, from being a Super Bowl contender in those years. Couple that with J.J. Watt and Mario Williams and the defensive line that Houston had. I definitely believe that a quarterback was of their priority needs, but they decided to go with highly touted Jadavion Clowney out of South Carolina. Now, Jadavion Clowney He's a freak athlete. I mean, everybody here listening to the show, even if you just watch ESPN, has probably seen the hit that he laid on Michigan running back in the Capital One Bowl two years ago, where he was pretty much in the backfield and the running back pretty much had no time. It was a freight train coming at the running back. So Clowney is so fast for a defensive lineman. He has all the raw skills to be an absolute freak in this league. He's an athletic freak of nature. Now, there has been question about his motor and work ethic, but he has been seeing double teams in college at South Carolina. 
And really, for Jadavion Clowney, he didn't have a lot to play for because before his junior season at South Carolina, he was already told that he would be the number one draft pick. And even if Jadavion Clowney was injured the whole season or chose not to play a single down, most likely he was going to be a top five NFL pick anyway. So when factoring motor and motivation, you also have to consider what Clowney had to gain from his experience in Columbia, South Carolina. So Jadavion Clowney has not been shy about proclaiming that he could be one of the best defensive linemen ever. And with J.J. Watt, who's who's notably the hardest working defensive lineman um, in the league, in the National Football League, I definitely think Watt will be a very good role model to Clowney and a very good leader towards him. And for and for uh, Jim O'Brien, who's a offensive-minded coach, coach uh this for bill o'brien excuse me who's an offensive minded coach uh that this draft pick should serve romeo cornell and this defensive staff and their needs it's always a risk when you take an offensive lineman in the first round certainly the eagles i can go back to a lineman named kevin allen who didn't play it down in the national football league but Greg Robinson from Auburn looks like he's going to be a mainstay starter for 10 years. And he's a tackle. He's going to be protecting Sam Bradford's blind side. And the Rams obviously need a lot. But they decided they would take a solid pick, not a sexy pick when you take a, a, a tackle or any kind of lineman. Because as you know, you know the lineman's doing his job when you don't hear his name called and you don't really notice him. Spencer, what are your thoughts about Greg Robinson? Any insight into th- that particular pick? I personally believe that St. Louis should have taken Johnny Manziel here. And I know I'm going to sound like a lot of analysts you hear on TV. I know I'm going to sound like John Gruden, but I've watched Sam Bradford play in this league. I was a fan of him at Oklahoma during his Heisman Trophy winning year back in 2007. Sam Bradford, I don't think he has the big playability of Johnny Manziel and Bradford has suffered injury problems. He's a guy that is not great on third down. Bradford, I just believe that I even liked Kellen Clemens last year and the versatility that he brought to the position. So for St. Louis, I definitely think they're a quarterback away. And I just see Bradford and his ceiling, I just don't think is that high from watching Sam Bradford play quarterback. I don't think he goes through his progressions that much. I think he's overrated as a passer. And I hope he proves me wrong, you know, because Sam Bradford is a good kid. But in terms of St. Louis in that division with Arizona, San Francisco, and Seattle, the toughest division in football in the NFC West. I would have loved to see them take Johnny football there and couple him with Zach Stacy. But you look at what they did last year in the draft. They got Tavon Austin, a wonderful pick from West Virginia, had a great year, especially the second half of the year, he went off. So I love the big playability that they have with Tavon. I love Zach Stacy, a running back, who now should get the job in the majority of the workload. So this pick wasn't a bad pick at all. Greg Robinson is very versatile, and you watch Trey Mason and Auburn, I mean, they're, they're running it 
attack with Malzahn the second half of the year was fantastic, and they almost beat Florida State in the national championship game. So um, this pick, uh, I think Greg Robinson's going to be fine for them, and it was a value pick, and it definitely wasn't a bad pick at all for St. Louis. Well, looking ahead, the next pick was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Also looking ahead to game one of the NFL season. The Jags are going to be coming into Lincoln Financial Field to play the Eagles. And I had an inkling that they'd be taking Johnny Manziel with that pick. But it turns out they're taking Blake Bortles, who's going to be their quarterback for the future. Try to create a little excitement in Jacksonville, an area that just hasn't had a winner for a while and not particularly good attendance in an old stadium. And we want to know what kind of impact Blake Bortles will have on the Jags. I don't think Bortles will have a big impact at all. I still think the Jaguars will be in the cellar of the AFC South for quite some time. You look at their roster, they're the least talented roster in the National Football League, and you look at Blake Bortles, he wasn't projected to be in the top 10. So even though Bortles is tall, has upside as a quarterback, he still really had one year at Central Florida where he was un on the microscope um, of being drafted. So he really has he really has flash in the pan type qualities because you weren't talking about Bortles and he played in the American not a great conference. So Jacksonville should have traded this pick if they wanted Bortles and gotten him at say the eighth pick Minnesota slot. Um, you really should have you really should have traded with a team that wanted Sammy Watkins or Khalil Mack and you should have stacked your team with draft picks because there's no one to work with now for Blake Bortles. Maurice Jones-Drew is gone from Jacksonville. Your wide receiver, Justin Blackman, is getting in trouble and is not on the field. I feel bad for Bortles because there's really, he has unfair expectations to live out and expectations that he's not going to achieve in Jacksonville because there's just simply not enough pieces for Blake Bortles to succeed. You needed to trade this pick for draft picks and this was way too high to take Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is good under pressure. I actually do not think he's going to be a bust. But actually, his production is going to be bust-worthy because he doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. And his system, it, it, the players that he does, he doesn't have a lot of players to work with Jackson. Next is one of the most electric players in the draft overall. Sammy Watkins, wide receiver out of Clemson. Had an amazing game in the Orange Bowl. He's the best man on the field. And this is... In speaking to some Buffalo Bills insiders, they're really pleased with this pick. It's one of the first times when the Bills actually drafted what appears to be the right guy at a position of need. You've seen a lot of the tape on Watkins, seen some of the games that he played in. What do you think of this guy? Is he, is he as good as they say? I think Sammy Watkins is next level good. I love him as a prospect. He could really stretch the field, especially with Stevie Johnson leaving Buffalo. You see Chandler and Robert Woods from USC was taken in the second round. 
I look right now at the Bills, and they did give a lot. They did give up a lot to get him, but I can't wait to see A.J. Manuel. Last year, I was really skeptical of E.J. because he didn't throw the ball down the field a lot. He has all the tangibles. He's a great leader. Um, he, he's, he studies hard in the film room, and he just seems very polished um, as a leader and as a quarterback. Um, but in terms of his arm strength, his release is a wide release because he's six foot five. I just you watch some Bills games as well. Manual, I want to see him throw a, a deep ball, and I want to see him throw a ball with some oomph on it deep. So I want to see if Manual could stretch the field instead of just throwing a lot of underneath passes. Well, this segment sure flew by. You want to thank all the listeners of Bruce's Sports Talk. We're just getting into the draft, the analysis, the winners and losers. Stay right there. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. You are going global with gas. Man. Is that Matt the intern? That's here. I look, I made this show. Dude, you totally made it, man. You were doing the Big Brother tryout today. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. All right, let's come on. Let's play drug code. Where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug school. Yeah. Are we going to play porn and music or not? This program contains sexually explicit dialogue. Discretion is advised. Live every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific time on the VoiceAmerica.com variety channel. Going global with gas. Man, how the hell do they know that I got gas? Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. 
I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and we're here on the Voice America Sports Network. We want to thank our sports director, Ray Ellis. We want to thank the president of the network, Jeff Spinard, and we appreciate the opportunity to come to you week after week in our time slot. And we want to get back to the NFL draft. We're not going to go through every pick. Certainly, that would be repetitive and boring. We want to, I want to jump around, and I want to uh, look at certain picks. I'm going to jump down to the Philadelphia Eagles, our home team here. And there's a lot of head scratching going on about Marcus Smith of Louisville. One of my concerns is when the pick himself believes that he's a third rounder and he somehow jumps up to the first round, that's a red flag as far as I'm concerned. When I look at what the Eagles wanted, Chip Kelly was quoted as saying that there were six guys on their board that they were targeting. And you look at numbers 15 through 20, 15 through 22, and you see that the Eagles probably wanted Ryan Shazier out of Ohio State, an outside linebacker, to rush the passer in their defense under Billy Davis. But then New Orleans actually traded with the Arizona Cardinals at the 20th pick. This was a huge groundbreaking move that really rattled this NFL draft because Brandon Cooks out of Oregon State ran the fastest time at the ran the fastest 40 at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. He's a guy that can come in and fill Deshaun Jackson's role on the Philadelphia Eagles out of Oregon State. And Brandon Cooks is a big time playmaker and Sean Payton and Drew Brees said, "Hey, we definitely want to come up and uh, and steal this kid, Brandon Cooks, and bring him to New Orleans. The Eagles were comfortable at 22 because they assumed that Arizona was not going to draft Cooks because Arizona has Larry Fitzgerald, one of the best playmakers in the league. They have Andre Roberts. And they, they have and, and Michael Floyd from Notre Dame, who really came on last year. So Arizona is stacked at wide receiver. And then you look at the Packers, who have 21, and they have um, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson. So they're fine also. So the Eagles thought that they would get Brandon Cooks. But the Saints traded with the Cardinals and take Cooks at 20. Then the Packers have ha-ha Clinton Dix in their sights. And the Philadelphia Eagles, there is a need at safety, a big need. Um, so ha-ha Clinton Dix out of Alabama voiced that he wanted to go to Philadelphia. And Green Bay, who also needed a safety, took that pick, one pick in front of the Eagles. Now the Eagles are stuck at 22. Their guys are all taken off the board. And then they trade with the Cleveland Browns for the 22nd pick. That is now known famously as the Johnny Manziel pick for Cleveland. So the Eagles really didn't have a lot of guys that they loved at the latter part of the first round. So they ended up taking the next guy on their board, the best talent available, Marcus Smith. Now Marcus Smith played quarterback going in the Louisville. He was a quarterback. He did have 14 sacks last year. He is a playmaker. Scouts tell us that he is of high value so again you're just gonna have to to wait and see but grading this pick I don't think it was just a pick that you go wow what a steal I think maybe you took the guy a little bit too high
in Marcus Smith. But we'll see how it pans out. Looking at the New York Giants, they were very quiet in free agency. They really didn't make a splash at all. And certainly, they, they had a, a down year last year. Eli Manning threw a lot of interceptions. It was just a down year for the Giants. And they tend to bounce back, usually after a bad year, especially under Tom Coughlin. They usually come back with a big year. And they drafted uh, an exciting wide receiver out of LSU. Odell Beckham. Now, this pick is interesting because they already have a speed guy in Victor Cruz, and Odell Beckham is a guy that can really blaze you along the outside. Hakeem Nix is more of a big-body wide receiver that's a possession guy on the outside. So this was a very interesting pick. I thought they were going to go with an offensive lineman here. Zach Martin of Dallas, I love the pick that Dallas made because I really saw the Giants taking Zach Martin because Zach Martin of Notre Dame is a very versatile offensive lineman um, that can play tackle or guard and excel at that level. I think Martin of Dallas is going to be a pro bowler and Martin was available at 12 when the Giants were picking so I would have liked to pick him in this slot. I could have seen him fitting in very well because Eli Manning was under duress all of last year and some of those interceptions were due to pressure Um and the kitchen sink falling apart for the Giants offensive line that has been getting up there in age. Aaron Donald of Pittsburgh is also a defensive tackle. Um, they did get a guy from Syracuse later in the draft, and they did get an offensive lineman, a center from Colorado State. So they did fill the needs. Odell Beckham, along with Cruz, it, it is going to be an interesting dynamic. I would have liked to see the Giants go O-line here. Um, but I, but as a fan, I am very excited about Odell Beckham. It's going to be very entertaining seeing Eli and drafting a wide receiver in the first round is entertaining. Um, but I did think the Giants had more uh, important needs like defensive line and offensive line that they could have attended to in the first round. Well, coming down to the bottom of the first round, you have some teams that are in dire need of quarterback play. One, of course, is the Minnesota Vikings. And they drafted Teddy Bridgewater out of Louisville. It seems that he he fell. His stock really fell. Through much of the season, people were talking about him as the first quarterback to be selected. It seems like he in his combine, he didn't do that well. In his pro day, he, he looked very tentative. He didn't score very well on the... Um, and the Wonderlick test, see that? He probably didn't remember either what the name of the test was. But essentially, um, the Vikings have, you know, he, he's, a, uh, he's got a good arm. I hear that he's doing great in the, in the rookie OTAs in the sense that he's already learned the playbook. And Minnesota has him targeted to be the starting quarterback. So there's a, there's a lot of speculation about whether Johnny Manziel will be starting or whether he has to work his way in. But early on, even at the very beginning of training camp with the rookies, the Vikings announced that Bridgewater is number one on the depth chart. 
Well, Matt Castle, you look at the quarterbacks that they have, Ponder and Matt Castle haven't exactly set the world on fire. I mean, Matt Castle has has put up very mediocre numbers. If you remember, the Kansas City Chiefs had the worst record in the league just two years ago um, with Matt Castle at the helm before they got Alex Smith. So Castle had that one great year in New England, and then he was the face of the franchise, and he couldn't handle it. Then he went to Minnesota for a backup role. You look at Christian Ponder, who was really holding them back when they had a great defense in Adrian Peterson. Peterson had to carry that whole football team. I definitely look at it as a realistic possibility for Teddy Bridgewater to start. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, for some reason, didn't have gloves on at his pro day and as a guy who throws around the football a lot with my friends it's very important to get into rituals when you're throw when you're throwing a lot and if you don't have a good grip on the ball you're going to be tentative because there's nothing more embarrassing than letting go of the football when there's no pressure on you and so on and so forth so hopefully Bridgewater could figure out if he's throwing with gloves or without because that's actually very important quality of quarterback play uh, is if you're going to be a Kurt Warner glove guy or if you're going to go no gloves and just throw with your bare hands so for Bridgewater though I think a lot of scouts that didn't see Bridgewater play throughout his time at Louisville really hammered him for his pro day. And I think there's a lot to make about a scripted pro day. You see guys have a wonderful pro day like Jamarcus Russell and Blaine Gabbert, and they're not starters in the league right now. So there's much to do about throwing about a uh, scripted performance to wide receivers. And Bridgewater, his biggest game ever on the biggest stage was against Florida in the Sugar Bowl where Louisville was favored to lose this was two years ago and Bridgewater got hammered early during the game where he was run blocking he came out and had his best game in college on the biggest stage now that's something I look at and I marvel at he has height he has mobility and he can make big time throws this was a wonderful value pick for Minnesota and Teddy Bridgewater a very mentally tough kid he's going to fit in great with Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, A-plus pick. We're coming to the end of this segment. The next segment, we will talk about some other draft picks, and especially Johnny Manziel, and how he's acclimating to Cleveland. And later on in the show, we'll be talking about the NBA playoffs, and I'll be doing a segment on concussion, where I'll be giving you a concussion update and I'll wear my hat as a sports medicine doctor. Again, we thank the listeners for tuning in to Bruce the Sports Talk. We're here on the Voice America Network. We'll be back in three minutes. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. 
Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm here with Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, and it's time that we talk about the man himself. The Hollywood legend, the gunslinger from Texas A&M, Mr. Johnny Manziel. We watched him as the television cameras panned on him, and there's so much talk about who's going to pick Manziel. Is he going to go at the top of the draft? So many of the mock drafters had him at the very top. But it turns out there was one team that really wanted him the most, and that was the Cleveland Browns. And... In looking at some of the aftermath of the draft and his interviews, he really prompted them to, to take him. And this is a very uh, hardworking, blue-collar town of Cleveland. And it seems that he's really embracing the town. He's saying all the right things. And most recently in the newspaper today, he said he doesn't expect the job to be handed to him. He wants to work his way and be a starter. And... There's a lot of discussion about Manziel and how he's going to fare in Cleveland. When's the last time a player was brought to Cleveland and the season tickets doubled and tripled within 24 hours of the guy getting drafted? When's the last time that you've seen the Cleveland Browns be the headliner of the National Football League? When's the last time... You've seen the Cleveland Browns press conference on ESPN for the rookies drafted. I mean, I feel bad for Justin Gilbert, the cornerback out of Oklahoma State. He was drafted as the eighth pick in the first round and Manziel the 22nd. And he was involved in the Manziel first press conference in Cleveland. And dude, Gilbert got no questions at all. It was the Johnny Manziel show. I mean, Gilbert, he could have been in the media just sitting there with, with the guys interviewing him because he was a total sideshow because Johnny football is Johnny Hollywood, Johnny Kerrville, Johnny Tyler, Texas. He's Johnny football. And Bruce, I want to ask you and see if you know the answers to this because I just want to recap why Johnny football 
What is it about Johnny Football that separates him from Blake Bortles, Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Schaub, Matt Leinart? What is different about Johnny Manziel and this whole spectacle? Why do people, why are people obsessed with knowing about Johnny Football? I want to see what you say and then I'll, I'll see if I can enlighten some more facts just about how polarizing this guy is. I've been watching football a long time. And if we look at the whole body of work of Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M, he was must-see TV. He, the way he ran, the way he, he got out of trouble, just the amount of amazing plays is more so than anybody. And further, he was also embraced with respect to his personality, um, LeBron James has spent time with him and a lot of people really like his personality and want to hang out with him. So I can't recall ever somebody coming out of college with that much exposure to the media, to the paparazzi, to everybody and a guy with just incredibly exciting, just the way he would escape from rushers and somehow find a way to, to throw the ball. So very un, you know unconventional, very much a guy who would improvise and, and show brilliance and tremendous numbers, a Heisman Trophy winner as a freshman, and just a guy that everybody in college was, was looking to spend, you know, t- to focus on, and also controversy as well. With respect to the man in quarterback camp, Still haven't heard a, you know, a straight answer as to why he was let go. But because he's also had taken his share of criticism, the guy's had incredible media scrutiny and a great career. And I think he has a tremendous upside. The, the downside potentially is that he's a shade under six foot. He has narrow shoulders. And you just wonder how much of a pounding he could take. Hopefully, he'll get good protection in Cleveland. But you get somebody who's not, you know, who's got a slight build, even a Michael Vick, you could see the litany of injuries, even the guy who's super fast. And uh, when Vick played with the Eagles the last few years, he just got slowed down. And, 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 And by the end of the season, he was a different guy. When you look at Johnny Manziel, the reason why... He is the most scrutinized, the most popular player in the National Football League already is because of the younger generation and the age of social media. Johnny Manziel puts the C in controversy. This guy tweeted on his account, bleep like this is why I want to leave College Station now. The bleeped word was the S word. So basically on Twitter, Manziel said bleep like this is why I want to leave College Station, Texas. Manziel was involved in one of the biggest scandals in NCAA history when he made over $2,000 selling autographs to 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 people when he's really just a, a college athlete. He can't market himself at all. Johnny Football, he brought in so many 
jerseys to Texas A&M because he's a Heisman Trophy winner at the age of uh, at the age of 20. The reason why Manziel's so popular is because Manziel's like a total frat bro to the younger generation. You look at him on Instagram. He's in Mexico drinking tequila with Jimmy Tatro, who's an internet sensation. He's on his Instagram pages where basically it's almost like a Facebook. It's where you keep all your pictures and you can customize the pictures. He has over 800,000 followers on Instagram. He takes pictures with Duck Dynasty, LeBron James, Drake the Rapper, um, Kyrie Irving, Des Bryant. What other 20-year-old kid would have these circle of friends? At his draft party after he was drafted, Victor Cruz, Odell Beckham of the Giants, multiple rappers showed up for Manziel's um, after party. So this guy, Johnny Manziel, knows everybody in the media. That's why he's so popular and he's controversial. In the Rice game, he he got called for a taunting penalty. People think he's either a jerk and they love him or they hate him. And the game against Alabama got the most views of the year, the ratings in college football. So the way he plays, he plays like Michael Vick. He could scramble. He's never down. He could go back 30 yards and throw a lob pass in the air. That's what, So on the field, this guy is Michael Vick. And he's a combination of Vick and, and like Brett Favre out there throwing the football in college. Like an absolute legend. And then off the field there's part there's um stories of him leaving the manning academy drunk partying at a, at a texas longhorn camp this guy really is the ultimate partier he's kind of like uh he, he's just the biggest celebrity out there already as a football player and his brand should only grow and the most exciting thing about football players bruce is that when you look at jeremy lynn i, I love the guys that come out of nowhere come out of obscurity and could take the world by storm like Manziel did in a year in a redshirt year where no one has heard of him and where he wasn't even handed the job going in the spring football and he ended up winning the Heisman that'll probably never be done before by a three-star recruit ever and also the reason why I love analyzing quarterbacks like Tebow and Manziel is football is only 16 games so each week you could dissect their performance with Jeremy Lin of the Knicks, if you remember, he was so exciting. Jeremy Lin, everything. But since there's so many games in the NBA and Jeremy Lin just got to the point where he was good, really every Houston Rockets or every New York Knicks game, it kind of gets washed out as something that's exciting in my eyes. So with Johnny Football, it's going to be awesome to monitor his progress in the National Football League. One of the big stories in the draft was the drafting of Michael Sam. Very courageous. He announced that he was gay before he was drafted. And there was some talk that no team would draft him just because it would potentially be a distraction. It would be groundbreaking. And it turns out that Jeff Fisher of the St. Louis Rams in the seventh round went on ahead and picked him. And... um, they're, 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 they've been receiving uh, accolades really universally. Uh, of good news, there was some talk that almost tainted the situation where Michael Sam was going to 
have his own um, production, like reality production, and that would involve training camp, but it would it would be outside of the the Rams. It would not violate the copyrights of the NFL. I, the Rams clearly, you know, did not want that. They didn't want simply the distraction of this guy worrying about that. And so that I'm happy to say has been dropped. And Michael Shea will be able to just focus on playing football, making the team, and contributing. And I think I think that's a good thing. I do too because Michael Sam, as a seventh round pick, a lot of guys that are drafted late in the NFL draft don't even make the team. So if he has his own reality show and in the middle of it he gets cut, um, that would really not put a good light on the whole situation or the reality show then would have trouble succeeding if he gets cut. Now, Michael Sam said that he just wants to be considered as another football player. But if you have a reality TV show, then you're more than just a football player. And then teammates and guys in the locker room will look at Sam differently than just being a regular worker. Uh, That's the way that he wants to be treated. So I definitely think that that not doing the reality show, at least for now, see if he can make a team and succeed in the league. I think it's a good move for Michael Sam. We've come to the end of this segment. We appreciate everybody listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back in three minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce 
at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. It's time that we talk second-round NBA playoffs. And we're here with our cottage industry expert. He's now going to wear his NBA basketball hat, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger. How do you size up the second round of the playoffs? The second round compared to the first round of the playoffs was a complete letdown. I mean, you had the the Portland Trailblazers, the most exciting team of the first round. Dame Lillard, LaMarcus Aldridge, Nicholas Batum. The Lillard shot in game six to win the series versus Houston. That Houston-Portland series, four of those games went to overtime. One ended in a buzzer-beating shot. And the Portland Trailblazers were such a fun team to watch versus Houston. And it was a great upset of a 5-4. And then it was kind of like Cinderella hit midnight. And Portland is Cinderella in this analogy. In that they played San Antonio and completely got busted out of the gym. Like all of the drama surrounding Portland, all of the excitement was just all wiped away as the Spurs methodically beat them down and just sent them back um, into the offseason uh, for Portland and eliminating them from the playoffs. And it was, the first round was great. The series were competitive. And I love the first round. It's sort of like the NCAA tournament where even the eighth seeds or teams that are on the cusp of not even making it at all, real long shots to win the championship are still involved. Like even the Atlanta Hawks had a chance um, to win the series. And Really, with the second round, you had Miami and Brooklyn, and the whole time you knew the Heat would win. Watching the games weren't even that interesting because you know LeBron and the Miami Heat, after winning the first two, um, you knew that the Heat would advance. You knew the Spurs would advance. There were a ton of blowouts in these games. And then Washington, you knew, was young. Indiana won that series, but the games weren't that well played at all. And then you had one really good series where you had the Clippers and the Thunder. And Game 5 was terrific with Oklahoma City coming back from a 17-point uh, deficit. Some questionable calls and Cl- and Chris Paul not playing well down the stretch. That series, Oklahoma City and the Clippers, was very even. And I have to give Oklahoma City credit on a segment with Brendan Kaminsky, our NBA correspondent, last week. I believe that the Clippers would win because they just have a lot more depth than the Oklahoma City Thunder. But really, um, Fabo Sevalosha played well. Durant and Westbrook were too much. And Oklahoma City never phases to surprise me. And in the NBA, it's just unbelievable how one player and one guy can take a team to another level, like LeBron and Kevin Durant. And these guys, LeBron and KD, have been in the Final Four of the NBA tournament, uh, postseason tournament, uh, in the last couple of seasons. So I thought the second round was such a lackluster from a very, very exciting first round where pretty much all of the series, excluding maybe the Heat and the Bobcats, were great and competitive series of basketball. More news out of the NBA, just to digress from the playoffs for a moment. Kevin Love made an announcement today that he's going to be actively uh, hitting the free agent market. 
He certainly played in Minnesota for a number of years. And basically, he's just tired of losing. He's targeting certain teams. I believe he's targeting the Warriors and also the Chicago Bulls, two exciting up-and-coming teams. And he will bring a lot to whatever team he goes to. Obviously, the Timberwolves are now in the process of trying to recruit a coach. And with Kevin Love is such a tenuous person on the team, they're having difficulty with that. And one other stunning bit of news, Steve Kerr was all but taking it to, to coach the Knicks. And the Warriors fired Mark Jackson, and it didn't appear that they had any chance to get Steve Kerr. At the last moment, Steve Kerr said, I'm going to be coaching the Warriors. He has a house out in the West Coast the Warriors are going to be building a, uh, a new arena, I believe, in the San Francisco area. They're the Golden State Warriors, not the Oakland Warriors. And they seem to have a very big upside, an exciting team. And in looking at it, it would seem, looking at Steve Kerr, you know, w- working for Phil Jackson in the Knicks in that very hot spotlight with that team that has been very inconsistent over the years at best, that that might be a real tough place to succeed. What are your thoughts on Steve Kerr to the Warriors? You see, it's really um, a trend now to get pl- to get coaches that don't have any experience whatsoever with coaching. You saw Kevin Alley have success at UConn with just being the interim coach for six months and being an assistant for only two years. Steve Kerr is a very popular and well-liked commentator on TNT. So, and you hear him break down games, and he's so cerebral. He's been around the game a long time. He's very well liked personally, gets along with everybody, very politically correct on his broadcast. I think he's going to fit in perfectly. In the NBA, I think it's one sport like a baseball manager where you really need players to be great. And unless you're Greg Popovich or Bill Belichick, a coach that could just change the landscape of culture with um, your coaching methods and everything. I believe that for basketball and the duration of the season, it's about strategy and about players making great plays. And I definitely have to believe that having Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, and David Lee, the Warriors are probably one of the top five teams in the NBA. Even though they lost in the first round, they lost to a team in Los Angeles that is also a top five team in the league. And in the Eastern Conference, I definitely would have to believe hypothetically the Warriors would have a chance at meeting Miami in the finals. So even though the Warriors bowed out early in the playoffs, they still have so much talent. So I really liked what Kerr did, and it had to be tough going against Phil Jackson, your old coach from the Chicago Bulls. It seems like the Donald Sterling show is almost as electric as Johnny Manziel. And this is a show with many twisted turds. And it would be a soap opera, a a good uh, an example of something that changes every day. Most recently, almost humorously, in a bad way, Donald Sterling was interviewed by Anderson Cooper of CNN. Presumably, he was put up to do the interview 
after a long silence. In that silence, there was an absence of one thing. It's called an apology. And somehow Sterling went off on a tangent. He went off on Magic Johnson. He insulted Magic Johnson, said that he didn't give enough back to charity, didn't give enough back to his, his, uh, his people. And he also even went so far as to say that uh, the Jewish people give much more charity and support their own, whereas Magic Johnson was an example of somebody who didn't support his own. So, you know, he hurt himself more than he helped himself. And most recently, his lawyers have come out and said he's not going to pay the $2.5 million. They don't feel that he has to do that. He's also announcing his intention to hold on to the team. At the same time, his wife, his estranged wife, Rachel Sterling, has mentioned that she intends to hold on to her 50% of the team. And the whole thing, now now the thing's blowing back to, to where the players are being interviewed, Doc Rivers is being interviewed, and it seems that LeBron James you know, took a stand and said that it's it's it, that 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 Sterling has to step down, and all the players are uniting, and now we're waiting on a vote. There has to be a seventy-five percent vote of the owners to actually have Sterling be forced to sell his share of the team, and by the bylaws and constitution of the NBA, any co-owner such as his wife, his estranged wife would also lose their standing as owners. So this thing's playing out, and there's interviews and, and a, a lot of this, and Magic Johnson really didn't intend to be caught in the middle of this controversy. So this whole Donald Sterling thing has remained on the front pages of the sports pages and the Internet websites, and it doesn't, th- it doesn't seem like this is going away anytime soon. It does not, because Donald Sterling's very brash, and he's not going to give this thing up without a fight. But clearly, Donald Sterling has been a racist for a long time, a bigot um, for a very long time. And what he said about Magic Johnson, he just completely, uh, truly revealed his uh, colors in that uh, he just does not like Magic Johnson and his guts at all, and really... Just everything he did and saying in this interview, it's it's impossible to defend the guy um, when he comes up with those statements, those generalizations, and insulting Magic Johnson, who really is a face of courage, a face of the NBA, well-respected, has battled and defeated AIDS, and is a hero for the NBA, and the NBA fans like myself and my father are completely united in defending Magic and are fans of Magic Johnson. So what Donald Sterling is doing is he's just getting himself into more and more trouble as the days go on, but um, he's not going away anytime soon, and you have to feel bad for the members of the Los Angeles Clippers because this is such a big distraction. Um, for for them, and they're going to be asked a lot more questions um, with this Donald Sterling. Well, this show just flew by. We had a uh, a segment prepared on concussions, and we're going to carry that over to next week. I know 
that that topic is is hot and, and it's a moving target. We're going to also talk about some of the new equipment uh, inside and outside the helmet, mouth guards. Talk about the uh, the research that's going on with the materials themselves and the very uh, beginning of some field research with respect to some of the materials to uh, that are designed to uh, protect the players. So this is a, a whole new field, and we're really excited about getting into it next week. So we hope you enjoyed this whole show, Bruce the Sports Talk. I want to thank Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, my host for the last five years. And of course, I want to thank everybody down the line at Voice America Sports. Have a great week. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Talk. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.